0: This episode of Wakefield Sessions as part of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast is brought to you by Nicosi Bistro Pub, French cuisine infused with indigenous ingredients. The newest addition to the Wakefield culinary scene, located at 721 Riverside Drive in the heart of the village. Go to NicosiBistroPub.com for more. And this episode is also brought to you by Danny Sivier, chartered real estate broker with Remax. Located downtown Wakefield with over 30 years of experience, Danny Sivier, a realtor you can trust. Go to oudawayhomes.com for more information. And lastly, Wakefield Sessions this week is also brought to you by Cafe 1870, located at 715 Riverside Drive, your home away from home in the Gatineau Hills, and also home of the legendary Open Stage Music Nights, every Wednesday from 9pm. And now, on to the show. It is Friday, September it is. It's Friday, September 29th and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Today's episode Wakefield Sessions continues with my guests. That's right, plural, two guests today. Boom boom. Jay Sinha and Chantal Plamodon of lifewithoutplastic.com join me in studio. We cover all things depressing uh sorry. <laughs> all things both uplifting and depressing about plastic. <laughs> Uh, Just listen to it. It's a really good episode, and it all starts now. (laughs) ¶¶
1: A beautiful waste of time. A waste of time. A beautiful waste of time. A waste of time. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Welcome to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Gatineau Hills. Hi,
1: hi, hi.
0: Oh, how you doing today? Are you well? I hope you're well. I hope you're doing well. I hope I hope you're just uh you know good. Chantal uh, Plamadon and Jay Sinha from LifeWithoutPlastic.com are my guests today and oh man. It's a, it's a good epi. This is, it's a re- hashtag real talk. We get into it. They're part of a movement. They're, they're initiated. They're making a difference. They're, they're the hope in this otherwise hopeless world that we live in. Because, I mean, we use plastic. Plastic is everywhere. It's everything. I'm surrounded in my studio right now. I mean, everything. Is uh, plastic I'm actually I, I I. mean every day I wake up I saran wrap my legs and body In plastic Just to protect itself from the elements And I'm. there's plastic everywhere But you don't realize the effect that it has It's such a short-sighted thing And we get into it We get into it We go deep Jason has Chantal Plamadon They were great By the way They're frigging Frigging? This episode is officially PG-13 and They're frigging Adorable as a couple I mean they're, they're like Giddy They make each other laugh There's, We had a lot of good laughs And genuine belly laughs You know illicit, like be, Between each Them two And I'm like How long have you been together? Three months? Anyway They're an example Of uh, Of model people Trying to Make positive change On this planet And they're also a, An example of uh, Love that sounds really corny, but it's true. Uh, they're just great great people. We have a great chat. they're passionate and thank God for people like that. otherwise we'd all be long dead. I mean we're halfway there. Uh, there are some parts that I you know, and I for humor purposes, purposes I keep saying uh, you know, oh, this is so depressing because we talk about the effects of plastic and it's basically irreversible, not quite, but it's it's bad. it's really bad. And so, you know, often my comedic sensibilities kick in and I go for the laugh before, you, you know, sometimes, instead of being genuine. So I a couple times say, oh, this is depressing. But they are actually a beacon of hope in this, in this, um, in this, uh, and look it up. Go to lifewithoutplastic.com. I mean, that's, what they're doing is uh, pretty, pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, we, we, most of us will watch a documentary on Netflix and go, yep, I'm, uh, that's it. I've, I'm, ch- I've, I'm a changed person. I'm going ch- and then 24 to 48 minutes go by, and you go, "Oh shit, that was." You forget about it, and then you just live your life. But they have actually been, uh, you know, making a difference since. I think 2006, they said, or something like that, that they that they started this. Uh... It's more than a company; it's a movement. It really is. It's a lifestyle, a change, a shift in paradigm, a shift in thinking, if I may. And they're uh, fronting the fronting the cost, cause. cause that sounded like I said fronting the cost. Like yeah, they're putting up all their money; they remortgage their home for us to we can enjoy plastic. They're fronting the cost, and they're going to take care of the rest anyway. I digress. It was a good, uh, good episode, and uh, you know that the song "Waste of Time." Uh, uh, do you waste time? Do you, I mean, I'm glad that you're, this is, this I consider a beautiful waste of time because you learn, it's education, it's comedy and education in a way, you know, you learn a thing or two, it's not, it's not all ha ha ha, it's sometimes ha ha ah, you'll pick up a thing or two, so this is a beautiful, but I'm so bad at wasting time, not be ugly, ugly wastes of times. I was just on this BuzzFeed article on Facebook for some reason. This is the wormhole the internet can, you can go down, like, just all of a sudden. You go, I'll check an email. Oh, you get a notification from Facebook, and then it's it's over. And then you find yourself on a BuzzFeed, which, God, f- chewing gum for the brain, BuzzFeed. You find yourself on a, on a clickbait thing. The Little Mermaid is 27-year-old. The Little Mermaid is 27 years old And Eric is still hot as fuck And it's Let me scroll down I'm actually on it right now That's how much I'm wasting my time While the intro's playing I'm, I'm on this ridiculous list And it's 18 reasons And pictures and screen grabs Of Eric The heartthrob from The Little Mermaid And I just about read all 18 Save a couple, because it had to come on on the air here. What, what, What? How bad do I want to avoid living life? I'll read them quick. One. Yes... I know he's animated, but you're just going to have to get past that because look at his face in caps, and it's a screen grab of a cartoon. It's a cartoon, by the way, The Little Mermaid. We know that, right? We're, we're on the same page. Number two, a face literally molded by the hands of angels and the good grace of God, or animators. What the f... Another picture of him looking dreamy. Three, all caps and, and all like sentence, like a period after each word. Look. Period at period his period eyes, and he's looking up. Whoa. Number four, and let's just say, and uh, I'm exposing my grade eight reading level. Number four, and let's just say it how it is. He's got eyebrows you just want to sit on, and then there's a picture of him doing like the the rock eyebrow. You know, if you smell what the rock, if you smell what Eric is cooking, it's not seafood. Number five With a face like that It's easy to understand Why Ariel risked it all To throw it back To Prince Eric What? Number six Prince Eric Can be all brooding And mysterious Which is sexy AF Which again is as fuck Number seven And he's not even Sorry (laughs) And number seven I'm too worked up And he's even hot in stone. He's next to a statue of himself, I guess, in the movie. I don't remember. It's been 27 years. Number eight, Eric also has Max if he needed confirmation that he is actually perfect. Max is a dog. Number nine, man plus dog equals marry me, please. And this is a gif of uh, Max jumping into Eric's arms. Number ten, Eric is a gentleman whose masculinity is far from fragile. And another gift. I don't even know how to describe it. Number 11. And if you go out with Eric, he'll take he'll take you on some cute dates. It's him and Ariel on a boat on that scene where they're... Again, I'm saying that scene as if I remember we all know. It's been, I don't know. It's been so long since I watched The Little M- Fucking Mermaid. Number 12. And let's not forget, Eric risked his goddamn life for the girl he loves. In caps. Number thirteen. Everybody deserves a man that looks this genuinely happy when he thought he'd lost you forever, and it's when Ariel comes walking out of the water with human legs, and his face is like
1: ah uh, ah. Uh.
0: Again, this is a Disney cartoon, right? We're we're in the same realm. We we're, we're right. We're not. We're not in different realms here, right? We're all we agree. Maybe I'm just seeing it as a cartoon, but to everyone else it's real life? What if I'm just like in an institution right now? I I imagine this podcast, nothing nothing is real. I'm just white wall white padded walls in a stray jacket, and my family's looking at me teary-eyed through glass. And I'm talking about this little mermaid movie and freaking out. Number 14. And does this. Every time he sees you because he's so goddamn excited. And Ariel, again, it's that same scene where she's coming out of the water with her legs. And he runs to her and picks her up like the dream boat that he is.
1: Ah, oh, Are
0: you kidding me? And I, by, by the way, I read this before coming on air. Before coming? 15, just a man that makes you feel good about yourself, you know? And then there's a gif of Ariel looking up and he looks at her and he goes, in his dreamy voice you uh you look wonderful <sighs> number 16 prince eric was apparently 18 in the movie which means he would probably be around 40 why am i adding words it, it doesn't say probably number 16 prince eric was apparently 18 in the movie which means he would be 45 in 2016 which also means he'd be daddy he'd be daddy as fuck right now what does that mean I don't know what that means, but it's just a picture of him. That's ugh. oh okay. I see you scroll down. That they they, they 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 there's an animated picture of Eric again from the Little Mermaid Disney cartoon movie. That a writer wrote this, by the way. They, they got paid to put this out, and it's Eric with salt and pepper hair and uh, dark rimmed glasses. Number seventeen, and it, this gets risque. God fucking damn it, Eric. You're just utter perfection, and he's sitting on a boat. Number 18. This was the only one that was actually kind of cool. And if you're really bothered that he's actually an animated cartoon and think I'm crazy, well, here's Eric in real life. And yes, he's just as hot. Okay, I didn't actually get to 18. God bless you, Disney, for bringing this hot piece of ass into our lives. Okay, I never actually got to 18 when I started because I literally... As the opening song was playing, I, I I clicked on this and thought I had a totally different thing planned. Here, look this. I had this plan. That's the original monologue. And then I saw this Buzzfeed article and I thought I'll just talk about this. Well, so I guess he's a real guy. And turns out, yeah, hot as fuck. Can't argue with that. Look at those eyes. Oh my god, those eyes. Wow. Anyway, uh, God bless you, uh, Buzzfeed. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I learned <laughs> again. I learned something. This started cynical and and weird and angry. Um, is I-, I wonder if that's true? Is he really a real person? But there's a picture here that looks exactly like him. I don't know. I guess maybe he was he was uh, inspired by uh, a real life person, Eric. Oh my God! Look at those eyes. Let me do this thing. I'm going to do a brand new segment before I get to my guest because it is a really good interview. I don't want to keep you too long. A lot of you maybe have skipped past all of that, which you're better for it, trust me. But uh, let me just do this quick thing. I'm going to do this brand new segment on the show. You know, you watch uh, shows and sometimes you hear it on radio shows or whatever, uh, guy or girl on the street. You know what I mean? It's like... uh, they go, hey, let's go to Debbie on the streets, and then somebody talking to pedestrians as they walk by, or hey, let's go to Andrew downtown, and he's getting people's opinion on whatever. So we're actually going to do that today. I have, I have somebody, I have Jen on the streets. So this is not guy on the streets. This is uh, time now for a brand new segment on the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast called Girl on the Street. Okay, so I'm going to dial here. Hello? Jen. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Oh, good. Good. We have you. You're on the street. You're on you're on the air here. And uh so where where exactly are you right now? Oh, I'm on the highway. Oh, you're on the highway. Yeah. Highway 5. Okay. So uh who's is it are there people you can talk to well, I guess not you're on the highway um yeah, the stop, so that wouldn't be safe right uh okay is there w- do you see tr- trees or what do you okay well i'll I won't keep you because you're on the highway so uh drive safe keep your uh, eyes on the road and uh i'll see you I'll see you soon. Okay. Oh, All right, and that has been Girl on the Street.
1: She's the girl on the street Asking people questions Asking, questions. asking people questions She's the girl She's on the street She's Asking people
0: And okay, I guess we'll try that again when she has access to people on a people uh, oriented street. Let's get now to my guests because this was a really good interview and uh, it, was a t- it was a two two on one, one on two. I hadn't uh, done that yet. And so uh, here we go. Without further ado, let's get to it. My guests from lifewithoutplastic.com, Chantal Plamadon and Jay Sinha.
1: You and me below, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People I need to lose Sing a little song Then take a shower Julian Dion Comedy Hour.
0: Yeah, this episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast is brought to you by Danny Sivier, chartered real estate broker for Remax. This is your guy. Look no further, everybody. If you're in the La Pache, Chelsea, Gatineau, areas and you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, flip a home, buy a cottage, rent out, anything real estate related, look no further, go to Danny Sivier. trust me on this one trust me, I've I've gone through Danny, we've used him to buy our new home, and oh man, you know, buying a house can be stressful he takes the stress right out of the equation, he's not pushy, he's not salesy he makes it super comfortable Danny Sivier, a broker you can trust, located in the heart of Wakefield for over 30 years. That's right, 30 years of experience in the area. He knows it. He knows these places. He knows the houses. Very, very knowledgeable. He's there for you. He answers his phone, reliable, makes the whole process comfortable. He's a definition of above and beyond, and that's what you want in a realtor. Trust me on this. Don't look anywhere else. Go to Danny Sivier. Go to udawayhomes.com for more information. And yes, like I mentioned off the top of this episode of the Julian Dion comedy hour podcast, Wakefield Sessions is brought to you by Wakefield's own Nikosi Bistro Pub, the newest addition to the Wakefield culinary scene. Oh man, this place, they hit it all. They hit atmosphere, they hit the service, they hit the food right out of the park. Creative drinks, authentic food, and an authentic experience. Whether you're sitting on one of their covered bridge benches I'm telling you, these people are Wakefield through and through. Enjoying some pulled duck sliders and their woodsy atmosphere. This place is very much a part of Wakefield. The food is both comforting and creative at the same time. Their Nicosi poutine, arguably one of the best in the area with hand cut fries, duck confit, cheese curds, and green peppercorn gravy. I'm hungry just thinking about it, just talking about it right now. is a restaurant that really tries to make everyone feel comfortable and welcome bring your kids bring everybody come on down to Nikosi 721 riverside drive in wakefield and right now they're making big preparations for thanksgiving weekend just around the corner so call today make some reservations whether it's for thanksgiving or your holiday parties that's right it's that time of year you got to start thinking of christmas and new years and all that good stuff call 819-459-3773 for reservations Or go check out their menus at NicosiBistroPub.com And yes, once again this episode is brought to you by Café 1870. Located at 715 Riverside Drive in Wakefield. Be sure to drop by for one of their legendary Caesars. That's right, little little hair the dog action. Nobody does it better than Café 1870. Come on in for a full menu every day from 11am to 9pm. Eat in or take out. Come take in some live music every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And of course, home of the legendary Open Stage every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. I personally have witnessed some true magic moments in that place. It's cozy, it's rustic, a little throwback. Truly one of the social cornerstones of this community. Cafe 1870 will be celebrating their 10th anniversary on November 1st. So once again, drop by, have a Caesar. Have a beer. Enjoy some live music. Cafe 1870, your home away from home. Nothing but professionalism here. I almost just just, uh, rendered my guests deaf. Sorry about that. That was really, really loud. Um, Technical issues right off the top, but here we go. We're going to have fun. Yeah, adjust those levels, get nice and comfy. Uh, Wakefield Sessions continues today, and uh, we're going strong. This is now week five. It's going to be a four-week uh, project, and it turned into five because there's so much happening in Wakefield, and so much talent, so much cool people, and doing neat things. Neat? I never say neat. That was that's a new thing. Uh, maybe I'll start. And uh, my guest today—they started a movement, if you will. And a, f- a lot of people suggested I interview you guys. Uh, uh, mainly my partner Jen. She was like, "You got to get the life with plastic uh, people, or with plastic? No, that's <laughs> without." <laughs> And uh, so they're here today, Jason Ha and Chantal Plamondon are here. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Did I get your names? Did I get it? Did I, did I, was that good? It's good. Yeah. Okay. Good okay, good. And uh, thanks again. Like I said, you guys are, are have created a, a movement, and I think it's very, very important in this time because um, we've done a lot of damage. Uh, to this planet, which I'm assuming has been um, a lot of the motivation behind what what you guys are doing, Uh, and uh, so let's get right into it and talk about life without plastic, not with plastic, I said with, obviously, you'd have to be an animal to start a movement of life with plastic, but uh, let's get into it. How did you guys uh, decide to start uh, this this, um, company, for lack of a better word? You got, by the way, you guys are doable. You can't see this, but they both just pointed at each other. Like, okay, who's going first? Like, you go. No, you go. No, you go. <laughs> okay, being the king of... Uh, by the way, hello. This is a side note. This is not during the interview. This is me. Uh, post-interview, th- th- being the king of, of technical issues slash professionalism, there's about two minutes, only two minutes of the interview that was weird, the audio. I don't know what happened. It was like really distorted and then it kicks back in. So basically what you're, what you're, what we're going to, this is the little interlude. This is what you missed. So I asked how they, you know, get to, to start this, this sort of movement thing. And uh, Jay takes on the question and he leads into how it started when in 2002, Chantal was uh, pregnant with their son. And they went to um, a seminar. She had read an article in Mothering magazine about the effects of plastic on the body and in the environment and all that. And that led them to a seminar in Montreal who was um, given by this uh, specialist in mold. And then we pick up right there. The mics kick back in and everything's smooth as eggs. So sorry about that. Let's go right back to the interview with uh, Jay Sinha and Chantal Plamadon, where we'll pick up right where uh, Jay is talking about the seminar. And again, it's only about a minute and a half, two minutes that you missed. And uh, so here we go.
2: One of the people giving the seminar was a specialist in um, mold and mold rehabilitation in indoor environments. And so they were, at the end of the seminar, they were looking for a test house to do an inspection because they certified inspectors for indoor air quality inspections. So we put our hands up and were uh, really eager to to do that and it worked out. So this team of student inspectors came to our apartment and um, did a full inspection um, of our apartment and the basement. And the conclusion was we should move out that night. Is and that Shantai right? I was eight months pregnant. Oh, my God. And um, she's, she's, she said uh, the mold down there, um, it's for sure coming up through your ventilation system. This is a very good chance these are the symptoms. There was mold under the toilets as well, which was more than there normally would be. There often yeah. is, you know, under the yeah, toilet yeah, yeah. Uh, base where the water is stored. Yeah, um, around, around the wax ring. you can When you lift a toilet, you can find some usually. But even on the outside, like when the moist, the humidity that builds up on the actual ceramic oh, yeah, part, yeah, you yeah, sometimes it. find a little bit, but there was a lot in our case, which is an indication of more spores being in the air. So they were certain that our symptoms were a cause of this mold, and um, that was fine with us. We were um, eager to try and figure out what was going on, so we did leave right away, and we... Uh, left that place we went and lived with friends for about uh, almost a month well three weeks until we found a new place Mm -hmm. Um, but then we were very sick for the next year
0: really a whole
2: year yeah so i guess there's like uh, to mold there's midterm long-term effects yeah it really depends on the person it depends on your metabolism it depends on your exposure depends on a lot of things it's it can lead to something what's now known as and it's becoming a, a very recognized medical condition, environmental illness or multiple chemical sensitivity. In fact, a lot of people who are looking for alternatives to plastics have MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity, or or, or environmental illness, and are very sensitive to not just mold or uh, but to toxins, I think, environmental pollutants in general. And so that became the case for us, um, for for myself I'll, in particular. I. Um, um, was more sensitive to certain smells, perfumes, clones. Um, I had really achy joints from um, all this exposure to mold. I assume. Right. Um, it, the thing is, when we left the environment, they decreased and went down over the year. But for that year, you know, when our son was born in January on a cold winter's night, um, for it was I remember very clearly for the next. He, he never wanted to be on his own or on the ground or on the bed or anything. We is were there? always carrying him. He was always with us, which was great. But I remember uh, my back just aching, my joints aching, carrying him, this tiny little baby in a carrier, which is, you know, ergonomically perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I was still in a lot of pain. And when I look at pictures of myself back then, um, I look really gaunt and kind of scary. Really? So oh, it took, for, for me at least, Chantal can speak to her experience, but it took a year to, I think, get back to more or less normal from that. Yeah. And as a result of that, it got us thinking a lot about the chemicals in our environment, in our immediate environment, but in our environment in general. And as a result of that, in the article that Chantal had read about plastics in Mothering Magazine, um, it started us on the process of looking for alternatives to plastic. Okay. And I'll let you start on the products we started looking for, Chantal. I don't that want to talk the whole time. such a long
3: introduction. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, were, we like, were smiling the whole time, it? so I
2: thought, okay, I'll just keep going.
3: <laughs> <laughs> aren't we supposed to talk about plastics when yeah, we we're talking right. about mold? <laughs> well, <laughs> well,
0: no, we get, we get right to the nitty-gritty. This is yeah. a long-form long thing, so... And, and, but well, when yours. You, Shantala, when you read this article about plastic, what did you get from it? Was it like one of those things where it was like a real waking up moment? Where like what was what did it in the article that you're like, oh my god, like this this is bad?
3: I think it was more confusion because I remember the article was talking about the fact that um, they were just starting to find leaching from certain types of plastics into food and drinks, and especially. Uh, uh, more dangerous for babies and mother who are breastfeeding. And I was breastfeeding at the time. And uh, it was, um, I was really confused because I thought, okay, which plastics are good and which ones are bad? And really all plastics were bad. But there was kind of a confusion at the beginning when we started our business about people asking us, okay, which ones are good? so that i can stock up on the good ones and then get rid of the bad ones but the more you dig the more you find that health-wise they're pretty much all bad i was gonna
0: say is there such a thing as a bad or a good plastic
3: i don't think so because Mm -hmm. they all contain a ton of chemicals like some like hundreds of of chemical additives and they pretty much all contain flame retardants as well is that right those are nasty yeah. chemicals yeah and they're not stable in the plastic so they end up in your food they end up in your drink and and so when I read an article I thought well you know let's just be uh, co- like adopt caution about this and be careful about this and just get rid of all plastics you know let's not try to determine which ones are good which ones are bad and so I started looking for a dish set and a baby bottle. And, you know, thanks for my son. I didn't care so much about my health. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And so um, I couldn't find anything on the market. Everything was plastic. Is that it's crazy. right? crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you don't want to give ceramic to a kid, to right. a baby. Like, he's going to throw it out and it's going to break him. That's pieces, right. You're going right? to be going through bottles left, right, and center. <laughs> exactly. So... Um, so I, I, I found I, you know, did a lot of research and was able to find some stainless steel dishes in India and um, in Thailand. Like there were like in Asia, basically they had some. So I put together a dish set at the time uh, for for babies um, and I put together. Uh, we also found some glass baby bottles from Evenflow. and I remember calling the rep in in Canada and and telling him, you know, can I get a few, a few bottles? And he said, well, you, you need to order at least a thousand, you know, Wow. okay, so, so I thought I'm probably not the only one who's looking for maybe bottles made of glass. So I said, okay, and now wow. we had no choice but you to really start the in. business, yeah, yeah, we had to, to start selling them. And it didn't take long. And like, we, we launched a website in July 2007, 2006, six, six. 2006, sorry. 2006. And a week later, there was already an order. So, right? you know, by the time our name started to propagate on the web, it took like a few days. And our first order was from BC, from British Columbia. It was like, wow. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> this like, yeah.
0: from home. And you're like, oh my God, this is actually working. We're, and it's yeah. got to be like fulfilling too, because it is something that, uh, you know, you're helping people at a mm-hmm. fundamental level, which is health. Uh, everybody gets into that sort of thing and what about like okay so when they say because you kind of touched on good plastics and bad plastics when they say something is bpa free i mean is Mm. that just a marketing thing mainly or what is that it it
2: can be yeah Yeah. Yeah. and in large part you got to be very careful because um one of the issues with plastics is um a lot of them contain endocrine disrupting chemicals and so the reason why bpa um became quite an issue is uh, because of It's linked to various uh, medical conditions. Um, And the BPA-free ones, what research is showing is that a lot of them exhibit the same activity as BPA, and in some cases even worse. So it's hard to know really whether it's better or not, but... Like the we plastic a, BPA. Exactly. Because, yeah, I mean, they could
3: say glass is BPA free, but like, right. you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but for the plastics mm-hmm. that have
2: the BPA free label, you've got to be pretty careful. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to know what it is um, because generally you don't know. It's not labeled what the plastic is if it's if, if you know it's not BPA, but you don't really know what else it might be.
0: Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It raises the question. So you start with baby products. You start mm-hmm. with a website. What's the website?
3: Uh, the name of the website—it's yeah. lifewithoutplastic.com. Dot com. And yeah, at the time, so we're we're talking uh, eleven years ago. That name was still available. I was gonna say, yeah, that's crazy! Wow, that's, score. Yeah, that's a score. That's a big score. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
0: uh, and then because there is kind of this subculture now of people that are seeking better health options in all different facets, whether that's veganism or dairy-free or gluten-free, because of all the um, there's you know you go on Netflix and it's documentary after documentary, mm-hmm. so people do want to make change. But the key is lasting change. So how do mm-hmm. you guys? I mean, you guys are 11 years in now, and um, so how do you make it a lasting thing and not just a phase someone will go through? Because often what it boils down to, because people can be knowledgeable and know all this stuff, but often it boils down to money. So mm-hmm. when someone's shopping for a baby bottle and there's the plastic, well, maybe not so much a baby bottle, because when it comes to your child, you will spend the extra mm-hmm. money, but for yourselves... You know, sometimes when you have the option, money talks. A lot of the time, when it comes to checkout. So, how do you make it a, a lifestyle thing? Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it's it's money and it's also convenience, right? right? Plastic is so convenient.
0: Is it getting better with that? I mean, I mean, the other side of it, getting non-plastic things. I mean, obviously, you guys are doing your part, but it, mm-hmm. it, it, is it generating a, a sort of uh, movement?
3: Well, what's interesting, the movement that we're seeing that has really picked up in the past few years is the zero-waste movement. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing lots of grocery stores, zero-waste grocery stores, popping up all over the world, especially in the past two, three years. Mm -hmm. Probably starting in Germany, I think, was the first one. Yeah, that's where the first one, and one in Ottawa, just opened uh, back in August, Mm -hmm. called New Grocery. In Yeah. Yeah, and, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so that movement is about making it more convenient to to shop pla- a package free mm-hmm. basically so you bring your your jars and and they make it really easy for you to to shop with your own jars. Um because that's the biggest obstacle to adopting a plastic free life, it's the inconvenience. I would say yes the price it's more costly but you know it's it's something that you know can um, vary depending on your priority and how you see things because a lot of the things we sell for example are very durable so when you calculate the investment versus what you get from it it's actually much more economical oh right because you're not using so much
0: of of you don't
3: have to replace it right right it's uh, it's durable but the convenience part is is a tough one and so so even you know going to shop at the zero waste grocery store you still have to plan in advance bring your jars and for sure and know what you're gonna buy and like go there yeah it's not at every corner right so right so yeah Mm -hmm. and
0: it's such a big thing because it's not when it comes to plastic especially you're not just talking health it's got insane environmental um it's a huge environmental impact I mean it's detrimental to the environment the oceans it's mm. the one of the largest contributors contributors to uh, you know the oceans literally dying yeah. they find you know every week you see a facebook story coming up of a whale that was found dead and mm. they're filled with plastic yeah. and there's this thing called i mean i'm sure you guys are aware garbage island in the pacific that's twice the size of texas and it's just this this big Kind of uh, plastic wasteland because of the currents, all of the world's kind of plastic garbage ends up
2: there somehow. Well, actually, Julian, if I could just expand on that a little bit, yeah, it, please do. It's often called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, and the thing is, it's it's actually not an island. That's what the the media sort of made it out to be, and okay. you see that all over the place, like. Uh, Even a lot of people who are very familiar in the sort of anti-plastic movement um, still refer to it that way. But the latest research is showing, and there's uh, an organization called the Five Gyres Institute, based out of uh, Los Angeles, who's done some really cutting-edge research. It began by a guy named Captain Charles Moore, who runs up an organization called the Algalita Marine Research Foundation in Long Beach, California. He did a trip from Hawaii in a catamaran. He he has, which is rigged up. It's not just a recreational catamaran. It's yeah, a big yeah, yeah. research vessel uh, from Hawaii over to California, and on that, this was back in about, I think, 2000. He was stunned by the amount of. He wasn't in the in into the issue at that point. Stunned by the amount of plastic he was finding, chunks of it, um, and sort of he, he kind of coined the term initially. This this patch, and it took off in the media. Um, but what's what's clear now is that it's really more of a plastic smog as opposed to a patch.
0: Because it's really small, small particles of plastic, right? Because plastic doesn't biodegrade, it like biosynthesizes or something. So it just comes smaller pieces Mm -hmm. over time in sunlight and whatever. So it's just these little particles of plastic
2: and it's deep too. It's like exactly it's the microplastics they're often referred to. And so you get large pieces of plastic in the ocean, things that Charles Moore was seeing breaking down um through weathering uh you know sun uv radiation just pure friction in the water breaking down to tiny tiny pieces um and they're in the top six feet there's a lot but then it, it drifts down slowly as it becomes smaller and the problem is so you have these microplastics in in the ocean they're eaten by wildlife um so the larger wildlife obviously things like whales and dolphins because um, yeah, they turtles. just scoop up everything there you go in their path right Um, they they ingest a lot of the bigger stuff, but the smaller microplastics, as you go down the food chain, but maybe let's start at the bottom of the food chain, you have plankton, which are tiny, tiny little microorganisms that um, are all over the ocean, very, very important. I'll get to why in just a second. But so they are now, research is showing they're preferentially ingesting plastic. Some research is showing they're choosing in, in, to eat. in controlled experiments, yeah, they're choosing to eat plastic over a natural nutrient they normally take. Because they're used to it in their environment? Is it that Because bad? it looks more attractive. It looks more like their food. The certain plas- microplastics plastics are colored. Um, oh my that that seems to be one reason. They don't know for sure exactly right. why why they are choosing it, but that's the case. And so it's going into the plankton. So the plankton are at the base of the food chain. And so then you have fish eating plankton and larger fish eating those fish, and then those fish being eaten by whales, sharks, whatever, and a lot of those fish being eaten by humans as well. And as the plastic goes into wildlife, well, the other thing about the microplastics and plastic in general in water is that it absorbs and absorbs and adsorbs. Those are two different things. Absorbing is if there's cracks in the plastic or the plastic's porous, there can be chemicals that are in the water that go into the plastic, Whereas adsorb, with a D, is there could be those chemicals that are sticking to the outside of the plastic. But regardless, the plastic is taking up chemicals such as, say, fertilizers or pesticides or radioactive waste, you know, Fukushima, um, and concentrating these other toxins that are in the water in the plastics. Then they're ingested by the plankton, ingested by the fish. As they go into these organisms, they go through a process which is known as bioaccumulation, where... The toxins are released in the bodies of these organisms and go into their fat tissue and concentrate more and more and more as they go up the food chain. So when they get to humans or when they get to a whale, they're getting a pretty concentrated toxic soup in that plastic or you know, toxic piece of plastic. Um, that's the big issue because oh the, the ma- microplastics are now pretty much everywhere. Um, so not just in this patch in the Pacific? It's not at everywhere. all. Oh, wow. I think like I mentioned this organization, the Five Gyres Institute. It's called the Five Gyres Institute because there are five major oceanic gyres. Well, the way you described it, it's these you know swirls, swirling kind of cyclones of water that concentrate masses into them. And they, that institute has done research on all five of the gyres as well as the Arctic and the Antarctic. And in every single trawl, they've done a trawl is where they basically carry a net behind their... Vessel and then analyze the plastics they gather they've found plastics in every single one and the research is there's more and more researchers doing this It's becoming very clear that the oceans are a bit of a plastic sink that is so depressing (laughs) Well, the the research now show it's like about Approximately eight million tons of plastic going into the oceans as pollution annually.
0: How is it ending up in the oceans? So you'd think with recycling and whatever, how do you get so much of it that ends up there? Just is it just a natural process of things? You want to so. talk about recycling? <laughs> or,
3: yeah. Well, I mean, how they get in in the oceans is a lot of countries like countries like the Philippines. They're mm-hmm. really well known for throwing a lot of their garbage in the ocean. It's
0: actually quite direct like that, (laughs) like from consumer to right into the ocean.
3: (laughs) Oh my god. That's like their thumb I the, thought there was like, like a know, certain like amount of steps field, and then you know? it would like end <laughs> so
0: up somehow in the ocean. There's that too. There's okay. that too yeah, for percent. sure.
3: But there are countries in, in Asia that just don't have enough room on their tiny island and, you know, they have just way too much. And
2: they just dump it in the waste, ocean. So it's just like out of yeah. sight, out of mind. They don't well, think. Well, it's not so much that they don't have the waste management systems. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. they they can't handle it. And there's but so much. Are they, plastic.
0: are they aware of, of what the potential? And more and more. Uh, okay. Oh more and more.
2: It's, it's not like a developing developing country, you know, sort of thing in in that sense, because there's tons coming from developed countries as well, um, and a lot of it is also waste from ships, like cruise vessels are notorious for that. Um, industrial vessels, um, fishing nets, are a huge problem. They they the fishing nets, you know, they're made to be used for fishing, so they're quite durable, but they're plastic, and it, it just they break down over time. They weather, and they. They are ones that would create a lot of microplastics because oh, the weathering right. occurs very slowly, very tiny amounts coming off the nets. Whereas the single-use disposable plastics, which are really the worst thing in the world, um, they break down much faster. And they're much easier to um, control at the source as well, in a sense,
0: right. um, through consumers. I, I heard the statistic that every thing of plastic that's ever been made is still in existence mm-hmm. on the planet w- in
2: one form or another. Mm. to some extent that's, yeah. that's definitely yeah. true like there's, there's a little bit of incineration
3: exactly. going on, yeah. plastic incineration but this needs to be done in a very controlled way so like right. some countries will burn, burn their it. plastic well, that's and generate not really better, maybe some mm. well yeah it's I mean yeah I'm, I'm not sure it's better like it, I, I mean it creates more um, yeah greenhouse gases yeah so that's yeah. not necessarily a good way oh to my god to we're so screwed i know <laughs> oh my god
2: but you know the, the good thing is there's lots going on like it's becoming more and more of a mainstream mm-hmm. issue the, the Are traction we, uh,
0: it's at gaining the point of no return or
2: well i don't think we're ever at the point of no return
3: personally, <laughs> personally, <but> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my own personal thing i yeah. think one scary thing it's like a um scary information that came out in the past two weeks is Mm. that 83% of samples taken from drinking water, like tap water. Uh, contain microplastics. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) That's like even like at at the very base of the food chain, right, that's what (laughs) you drink.
0: By the way, this is the last episode I'm ever doing. I'm gonna go go (laughs) out and live my life.
3: (laughs) Right. Um,
0: Uh uh, I saw this article and I should've, I didn't really read it. I just saw the headline that they discovered a mold that eats plastic in a garbage in Afghanistan or something. Is that a thing?
3: Yeah, Mm. yeah, and there are some bacteria that can digest plastic. Is that kind of
0: a sort of
2: maybe a way out of this?
3: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I
2: think it's like that's the thing. There are all kinds of interesting dynamic new avenues. So that's definitely one, you know, natural microorganisms, bacteria, fungi. There are mushrooms that eat plastic as well. Is that right? Yeah, so that's that's one thing that's coming up. There's a whole area of research called green chemistry, which is focused on... um, environmentally friendly alternatives to chemicals that are out there. And one of the big areas is bioplastics, which are plastics. It's kind of a murky area because there's a lot of greenwashing that goes on in there, too. But What do you mean greenwashing? It means things that um, are marketed as being bioplastics, so derived from plant-based material, but they're really um, plastics. It's just the uh, same, but... The, well, yeah, it but comes they, but a they green break down source. faster. Okay, got it. That's the thing. And there's an area in particular of, or a category called oxo-biodegradable plastics, which um, are marketed very heavily. There's a very strong organization that uh, markets them as being um, completely biodegradable. But really what they do, they, they have a, a metal in them that f- helps them break down faster. Um, and so they just break down into smaller and smaller pieces in a the sense they're really much worse because they break down faster in the environment and are more easily taken in by um, oh, right. organisms mm-hmm. and much harder to clean up. Because oh, my God, just when I humble. thought it was going to be positive, it's just depressing. <laughs> but the positive <laughs> part, part is that there are good bioplastics out there, okay, which good. do break down completely. Right. And there are interesting initiatives going on. Um, there's an organization called the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which is focused on the whole concept of a circular economy, the whole idea that you build an economy where there's no waste, at all and one of the big projects they're working on is um, packaging in particular plastic packaging and trying to eliminate it. Completely. Oh that's a big one. I it's mean it's enormous.
0: You, you get something and it's it comes in a box that's got plastic tape on it. You open the plastic mm-hmm. tape in the box and then there's plastic bubble wrap in it. Then you take the package out, then there's plastic cellophane wrap on the plastic container of your plastic thing. <laughs> it's like never ending. <laughs> exactly. yeah. And and it feels like it you know humans have created so many things out of ignorance i mean nobody knew when they were creating plastic they thought it was just this durable thing that would be no one know it can see the future and and guesstimate that this is actually going to you know contribute to huge
2: no I no <laughs> like, idea i mean it was it's it was came about because it's it's such a you know such a great malleable material that's like right. the word plastic comes from the greek verb plasin which means to mold or shape. I'm That's I going to laugh, but I, I have this kind of pet peeve. I'm trying to reclaim the word plastic because it's a gorgeous <laughs> word. Right. If yeah, you yeah. allow me to just explain it quickly. <laughs> yeah, please do. Because it means, okay, to mold or shape yeah. and to transform or change. And so a few years ago, my father's passed away, but in 2007 he had a stroke and when he first had the stroke he lost his ability to speak um english for the first few days all he was speaking was bengali which is, is part of my background and his, his his culture mm-hmm. um and it was like he his system kind of his brain kind of rebooted back to his original maternal language which was bengali wow. and after a few days um he came the english started coming back slowly and so that led me to read a book and from my mom had suggested it. it's a book called the brain that changes itself all about the plasticity of the brain how the brain actually can adapt and change itself and this the guy who wrote the book dr norman doidge is based out of Toronto. he's done amazing research and the book is he's written i think three other ones after it um document incredible case studies of people like a woman born with half a brain who regains the function of her full brain just through exercises and training yeah so that led leads me to the idea that you know the whole idea of plasticity is a gorgeous thing we all have plastic yeah. brains yeah plastic mind substance you hear that yeah, totally. sure. yeah and neuroplasticity is an enormous field now mm-hmm. so the word was co-opted by plastics industry <laughs> in the 50s because it's easy to mold and shape stuff but no it's, it <laughs> applies to our brains too you should call it death fabric <laughs> <laughs> they, they say they
0: claim now the, uh, the great barrier wreath is officially dead uh mm-hmm. is that is is plastic a big contributor to that or is, are we now going more towards global warming and or climate change rather and and the, the um you know uh, carbon uh, levels in the ox- in the air what's is that more i'm uh, ignorant i'm asking because i just mm-hmm. genuinely don't know
3: um yeah i think i think the the reef is is dying because of increased um temperature right. levels in in the sea Um, But, I mean, the seas are so badly affected by by plastics, too. Like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation says that by 2050, I'm going to depress you again. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) There will be more plastic waste in weight than fish. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, because, I mean,
0: the fish are dying. There's 70% less fish since 1945 or something there's like that. There's
3: overfishing going oh on. And then God. there's global warming. And then there's plants. There. Is
0: are, is there any hope? What's the point? Do you guys just want to get drunk and turn off the mics <laughs> yeah. and just get to know each other really, really well? <laughs> yeah. I could throw one other one that's really depressing, but it's an important
2: one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go no, ahead, no, Jay. No, I can mean, do it. We're here. We may as well go deep. Oh, also. yeah. Here we go. So we talked about fish for birds, <laughs> seabirds. Um, again, they throw out the number that the year 2050 by then, it's ex- it's estimated that if this is if waste of plastic waste pollution Doesn't continues change. as it is exactly yeah. at the current rates, that by 2050 about, well, they say 99% of birds will have some, asp- some form of plastic in their gut. And that's the thing they're they're eating it as as food 99% 99% by 2050 so what so. the fuck <laughs> do we do <laughs> <laughs> is there, okay is there
0: okay because plastic is everywhere it's mm. you know I'm looking here look on the table there's I've got two mm-hmm. b- highlighters there's a sharpie pen there yeah. there's that thing I almost cleaned that when you guys came because <laughs> I got self conscious <laughs> oh, yeah. it's the little what do you call that that's the little tab on the bread on uh, the bread yeah. Yeah. yeah and
3: that's disposable plastic right so yeah. that only has serves one purpose and then gets thrown out well I'm going to be well, before you gonna leave gonna I'm going to eat it
2: we got a drawer full of them too we're <laughs> I mean, I mean, by no means orthodox anyway I'm going to be like
0: a mushroom and eat that plastic <laughs> um, but but like there's certain fields that ha- rely relies so much on plat like the medical field i mean there's so much plastic can yeah. they ever convert to non-plastic those kinds of things um, or is that
2: just impossible well plastic does have its uses in certain right. industrial applications you know and we are com- computer phones things like that but the medical one is one where you know there really is room for change I, If you don't mind, I'll just throw out a study which really bothers (laughs) me. Go for (laughs) it, (laughs) Keep depressing us. (laughs) Tubing, medical tubing in the hospital setting. So you have, you know, IV lines, intravenous lines. You have catheters. They're all made out of um, generally a plastic called uh, polyvinyl chloride, which contains um, a plasticizer, an additive, which is derived from chemicals known as phthalates. And the the the, these plastics are quite malleable, um, and that's what the plasticizer does. It makes them very flexible. But as a result, it's a less stable plastic. We talked a little bit about stability plastics. Some are much more stable, and that's are you know really validly used for various things and will not leach much. Um, but these do leach, and there's tons of research indicating this. And there's so there's one this one study which was done by Belgian researchers about a year and a half ago, and um, it studied 400 children who were cr- um, critically ill they were in intensive care units and so they were because they were in intensive care that's where you have one of the uses of plastic tubings the most because for all kinds of things that are going yeah in respirators into of everything IVs everything exactly. catheters exactly so what they found tracking these children over four years was that um, they found a correlation between the phthalates coming out of the tubing and later onset of attention deficit disorder in these children so like if you step back at that situation you have these children um, very young who are critically ill as vulnerable as you're ever going to get children in intensive care already sick with uh, a critical illness and essentially being contaminated through the tubing which will lead to a disorder which comes up later in their life after, if they've been able to get over this initial critical illness, <laughs> it's a ludicrous and very sad cycle, mm. which is one example. That's that that uh, that
0: story for me was two pronged. First of all, depressing because yeah. of the plastic and the ADD and all that. But also, I'm super squirmish when it comes to anything hospital, so that's two. I'm like, mm. oh, this is depressing, and oh my god, I'm going to pass mm-hmm. out. Um, but but like, what would be the
2: answer to that? Like glass tubing? Like how do you? Oh. I mean, I, I guess I, people can figure it out. I, I, my hope is, is really on green chemistry and bioplastics, that there will be alternatives that are still, you know, malleable and flexible. Yeah. That are safe and can be used uh, long term. Um, yeah. And,
0: I, and do you guys have backgrounds, educational backgrounds in this sort of stuff? Or does it stem straight from passion and with from that one article that you read when you were pregnant, Chantan?
3: Well, um, it's interesting. Jay and I are really complementary for this mm-hmm. business because I have a background in business ethics. Okay. So we're both lawyers. We met at law school. and But we kind of both knew we were not <laughs> going to go into private practice, um, I guess, from the start because of our, all our various interests uh, interest that we had. But um, so so I w- I'm more the business side of the business, and um, and I've i you know I've studied business ethics before I even had the we even had the idea of creating this business. So I knew that I wanted to create something ethical, right. with, You know, triple bottom line where you care about not just the profit but also this social interest and also the environment. Um, so 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 I deal with that aspect of the business. And it and Jay has always been interested in environmental law originally, mm-hmm. but yeah. also. But then he did an ecotoxicology degree at Concordia, and he became like really versed into um, like chemicals and you know thinking to the environment.
2: Yeah, I did a biochemistry degree, and um, then the law, and then an ecotoxicology diploma. And okay, the ecotoxicology cool. it, it really works well in understanding a little better how chemicals. The effect of chemicals that come into the environment, the effect they have on anything living, essentially.
0: Right. So. What? Uh, which? Where'd you go to law school?
3: McGill.
2: Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you said that. Did I, you say that? No. Oh okay. I, so. <laughs> I got nervous all of a sudden. I'm like, wait, did I miss something? <laughs> no, it was
3: a great law school, and especially because it's bilingual yeah. and by bi- uh, legal, by legal, by juridical, by juridical. So you can learn common law and civil law civil law is in only in Quebec and common law is in the rest of Canada okay and it's french and english mm-hmm. so <laughs> I helped Jay learn French, and he helped me learn English. you know. Totally. Where are you from, Chantal? Like originally, originally from saint therese okay. near uh, near Montreal. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. near Montreal. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And
0: where are you from, Jay? I'm from Winnipeg. Okay, cool. He says
3: proudly.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> center of Canada. Yeah,
0: literally the cold center of Canada. <laughs> it's so cold. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> what made you guys decide to go into law? Did you guys ever have that fantasy of yelling "Objection, Your Honor"? In the <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Someone actually did during our wedding. Yeah, oh, really? At the reception, it was part of a rap. It was yeah. kind of a joke thing, but.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, What made you go oh to
2: Well, for me, um, I uh, I did an undergrad in I did two years at the University of Manitoba in general science, and then I transferred to Western to do the biochemistry degree, and after that, I was really toying with the idea of going into medicine, or I was thinking about it um but i didn't feel ready to sort of go focus on one career like right. that and law um i don't know how i heard about it initially but i was talking to maybe some points. it just seemed like a good way to leave a lot of options open it seemed like kind of a really most intense liberal arts degree especially at mcgill which is has a reputation for being more of a kind of a philosophical approach as opposed to very very practical right so and it was like that it was it was an awesome Mm -hmm. awesome school we Mm -hmm. and the people we met too were all kinds of different backgrounds and you spend a lot of time just talking about ideas in a legal context and legal theory and stuff but it gives you a lot of time to think and look at other options so it was for me it was a way of putting off making a decision on doing anything yeah. Because um, <laughs> I never, I never no, went that's into how you it just
0: to get, get into law school. <laughs> procrastination
2: usually gets you there. Well, I never did intend to become a lawyer. Oh, that's the that right? thing. And even near ending it, I wasn't really thinking One about it. One of those accidental either. lawyers. I got you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Most so, people accidentally yeah. end up just doing nothing. You're like, oh, shoot. I'm a lawyer now, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, more than that, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Chantal?
3: Uh It's interesting. It's kind of a. <laughs> Similar story, except that in my family, my dad was really strict. Like one of his rules was no boyfriend until you're finished university. Mm-hmm. And the second one is you can be either an engineer, a doctor, pharmacist, dentist, or a lawyer. So you had to be one of like wow. the choices were quite limited. Yeah. And uh, so it has to be kind of had to be a liberal profession, basically. Yeah. And for some reason, I kind of followed these rules as if they, there was any consequences for not following them. Right. right. And uh, I guess there was no consequence. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize. Um, so of all these choices, I think law seemed to be the one that was opening the most doors mm-hmm. yeah. and would allow me after I've satisfied my dad, then I can do whatever I want. Right. Um, so that's kind of a little bit, you know, like you said, leaving options open. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Keep,
2: exactly. Keep kept lots of doors open. You guys make law
0: seem like it's the bottom of the barrel, like, wow, <laughs> no, <it's the> <laughs> whatever. On the contrary. No, no. No, <laughs> no it obviously is, it isn't. But uh, what happened well, when Oh yeah, of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> that's I say that in jest, obviously everybody knows that. But the uh when you guys met in law school, did you have to tell Jay like, sorry, I have to wait till I graduate because my dad will kill you <laughs>
2: it's if
3: funny she because she was but,
2: supposed to she didn't
3: yeah, breaking the rules <laughs> that's a good point that's right we yeah, yeah, about that's that. like, yeah yeah no yeah. Uh, well actually like my the, my my, this, my second oldest sister she broke the rule like oh, many it. years before right forged and, the path for her. yeah that's right yeah. then from that point on the rule didn't exist got it but my oldest sister however oh. had her first boyfriend at her graduation ball from university oh it oh, was yeah. like the first time she invited <laughs> oh, she that's really right at the at the finish yeah, line. Yeah, there got she it did, in. She did. Oh, yeah. That's great.
0: Uh-huh. Um, just to go back to plastic a little bit. What about people that feel because a lot of people they won't make the change because they their mentality is well, I'm just one person, mm. so I'm gonna keep buying the cases of Aquafina or whatever because I'm just one person. I mean, the bottles are already made. They're already on the shelf. So if I don't buy them, they're not gonna just disappear. So how do how do we get those kind of people on board to take these small steps to change?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, well, we're we're great believers in um, small steps, mm-hmm. and um, an aspect that we didn't really touch on earlier was the the whole idea of changing habits, and it's you can only do that with small steps at a time. Um, yeah sure there's there's lots of plastic bottles out there but there's also it's once it become once you have your own bottle um, and realize you don't need to be buying a lot of plastic bottles it for one thing you save a lot of money um, but it also becomes a habit it becomes very easy and we're also you know it it may sound like we're hardcore radicals in avoiding plastic but we're really not necessarily in our own lives we avoid it as much as we can of course. but there's realities of life in, in society. It's pretty hard to avoid plastic living in a, in a modern society. So we really talk about taking tiny little steps for what works for you. Start with one little thing. Um, avoid say Say no to straws at a restaurant that's it right. try that for, that's a big one that's it's a big. huge one What yeah. has is anybody can do anytime right now and it has an enormous impact yeah huge. even though it's one yeah. straw at every meal
3: and the thing with straw is that you don't even need to bring your own you mm. just drink without a straw. Yeah, you know yeah. it's you don't, like it's an easy one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's so interesting. Straws mm-hmm. are and, huge of waste. And uh, I mean, the water bottles is a big one. Everybody, mm-hmm. is yeah. it really bad to? Uh, w- what about uh, recycling? Is that as green as people like to think, or is that another kind of thing that's just smoke and mirrors?
3: Yeah, it's 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 a it's totally a myth. Is yeah, that right? And, really? Yeah, that's the thing. Like. A lot of people feel good about their consumption of plastic. I mean, not that they feel good, but they don't feel guilty about it because they think, well, it's going to get recycled anyway. So, yeah. And I recycle. I put everything in my blue box, so I'm good. But the reality is that only 9% of all plastics that have ever been created has actually been recycled. Really? Yeah. Of I know. all that's of ever, all. I thought you were gonna say yeah. like
0: nine percent a year of in Quebec, <laughs> the, what no. are, like of no, all. No, no, oh yeah, my.
3: Yeah, nine percent. And of that recycled plastic, um, it it can only be downcycled. You you, you won't have uh, food packaging that will become a new food packaging. Like with food packaging, you need virgin plastic. You need new plastics because right. of you know hygiene aspects and stuff so so it's going to become something of lower quality and lower quality and eventually like usually after just one cycle you can't recycle it anymore you know if it's recycled they, plastic like that's it you but know, how do so. they
0: determine that is it underneath the uh if you look underneath the bottle mm-hmm. and it's got like this uh you know the recycle symbol and mm-hmm. the number in the middle is, yeah. does that have to do with it
3: yeah yeah um, so number one number two and number five are the ones that are most likely to get recycled okay everything else very very little like styrofoam right? forget it like is that right nobody wants wants to write recycle styrofoam yeah. like no no companies will want to recycle styrofoam right. so um it's like you know we're talking about straws refusing straw that's a good step but also Picking, like if you have no choice and your mayonnaise is only offered in plastic, then try to pick either one, two or five. Look behind and try to find a plastic that is more likely to be recycled. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, it doesn't mean it's going to be recycled, but there is like more chance that it's going to be recycled. And the other issue with recycling is that, you know, like um, you you might buy a, um, a a... Fleece, polar fleece. I was going to say yeah. fleece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. polar wool. No, yeah, fleece. Fleece. Oh yeah. yeah, a fleece that is made of, um, of of polyester that's made from from recycled bottles. Like mm-hmm. we've seen that, and we feel super eco friendly by wearing that. But uh, just last February, um, the story of stuff, which is a global NGO that is really fighting all kinds of environmental issues. Uh, released a little video that was very informative. And they were talking about that's cool, you're recycling plastic bottles into those fleeces, but the problem is every time you wash them, they release these little microplastics oh that go through. <laughs> God, right, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> that go through, you know, like the gray water, it ends up, you know. Bypasses all the filtration then yeah. ends up in the river and then that's why we have microplastics and tap water right it's all those polyester right. shirts and 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 fleeces and, and clothing that we we wash and that release like thousands hundreds of thousands of little microplastics so so that's the downsides of recycling so even when you recycle depending on what they make with the recycled plastics, it might not lead to a good result.
0: I'm just going to get a sack of potatoes. And put that wear that every day <laughs> and get a tree house somewhere with like eight mason jars. One I'll go to the bathroom in, one I'll drink from, one I'll eat
2: from.
3: Don't mix them up.
2: Yeah, don't mix <laughs> yeah. them up. <laughs> mason jar is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh a, that, yeah. I mean that's a great thing for anybody to start with. And it's like, like coming back. The mason jars like making
0: totally. a resurgence. Oh, it's totally. like hipsters, that like you go to bars, you can get like your, your drinks in mason jars. Yeah, and right. yeah. yeah uh-huh. it is it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about um, oh one last thing before we get to com and uh, your connection to Wakefield but what does it mean under a container when uh, the, the logo is kind of like uh, it looks like a like a it's like a cap you know what I mean it looks like a like a body lotion <laughs> container thing and it's open and there's a number on it Do you know what that means
3: uh it's not know. the the, the not three the arrows. chasing arrows no it's no. not the chasing no. arrows
0: it's uh. like it looks like um why can't i
2: talk right now is uh, it I their mean.
3: certification
2: i don't know it might be i don't know maybe i'll uh. google it but just uh <laughs> one more thing on the chasing arrows mm-hmm. um you know if you do have to use plastics uh, each each arrow or each number refers to yeah, each, not each, arrow, each number refers to a particular plastic resin and so the the ones that are more stable are, are two, four, and five in particular. Um, two is high-density polyethylene. Four is low-density polyethylene, and five is polypropylene. And those are plastics that are a little more stable.
0: Okay, so meaning uh, they won't necessarily like uh, sweat or uh, get. They won't leach as readily. Leach. That's the Especially word. Especially in heat
2: for. or when they're when they're exposed to oil or when they're microwave. That kind
0: yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. I guess people that leave their like water bottles in cars and stuff is really bad, right? Yeah. I mean you can yeah. taste it if you have a water yeah. bottle exactly. mm-hmm. you, in take a sip and it tastes just like pure plastic. Oh my or, god. Or
3: when you try to drink from your hose. Yeah. You know like oh, your yeah, water yeah. hose all that like you really yeah. can taste the plastic. Uh, that'll kill you. <laughs> or a shower curtain
2: you can smell the fumes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh my god, there's no hope. Uh, <laughs> sorry. We'll stop. <laughs> uh, all of those things I've done in the last like 48 hours I'm like, yep, check shit. Oh my god. Oh god. Um, let's talk about life without So so what is like people go on the website, they can order Tell, tell the listeners about what they can find on the website.
3: Well, we have products from, like, it's, it's basically products you might need for everyday life. Mm-hmm. And we really focus on plastic-free essentials. So even if, um, uh, you know, there are products that are just easy to find non-plastic. Um, so, so those, we, we don't really deal with those. But like, for instance, a, a um, toilet brush like they're all plastic and they're all yeah. going to be disposed of within a year you know um but we sell a wood plastic uh, a wood uh, toilet brush that has um bore bristles so oh, right. so yeah. it's like all natural it's compostable you can even burn it in your uh, campfire you know? that right? like, yeah so 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 we try to find all these we we, we, we um procure alternatives to all kinds of day-to-day items that you might need. So so household item, kitchen mm-hmm. items, kitchen uh, items, bathroom, um, baby stuff. Yeah, it started uh, with,
2: the, like the emphasis was mostly on f- things touching food and drink,
3: right. Right. dishes,
2: and it expanded bottles, it. and then expanded from there into yeah. everyday life essentials that are harder to find.
0: And you guys have a physical store?
3: Uh, no no we don't we do sell two stores Got so it. we okay. wholesale uh, about 50 of our products we we brand some products like that the, the sport yeah that I love we this. Have, yeah um, we so so we have our brand on it and um, some products that we actually help design because it just didn't exist in in non-plastic form so we thought those are essentials like an ice cube tray Right. like they used to exist in the 50s and the metal ones with the, the crank on exactly, it exactly yeah, yeah. They, they were made of aluminum yeah so we we took that and we bought one on ebay sent it to a factory that was able to, in, in india that was able to make the exact same thing in stainless steel and okay. so we kind of revived it and, oh, and cool. brought it back yeah
2: my mom had one growing up too
0: yeah uh, we have one here yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah crack oh, crack yeah crack, oh, okay yeah cool. and yeah, you get all different cool. shapes of cubes and stuff it's not like the perfect uh, no no exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh what's your because this is wakefield sessions i know you're in a bit of a time crunch so we'll get you yeah. out of here soon but no what's worries. the how did you guys make it out to wakefield what's the connection there well again it was uh
2: Kind of our son. But we were we we're always, we were living in Ottawa and kind of attracted up to this area. We would, mm-hmm. on weekends, we would come up. Come for day trip or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Up along in the Gatineau Hills, going to the park and just eating in town. We were always kind of attracted to the area. And then um, our son was accepted at a summer camp at a little um, school uh, out in the country on a farm um, run by a lady named Yvette Halpin. Amazing place. And so we came there for a summer. And then at the end of the summer... He got accepted into her nursery school program, and we were kind of at a bit of a crossroads at that point. And we said, well, hey, well, why don't we just move out there?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Because at the time, we were living in Aylmer, so the mm, commute was pretty yeah. brutal. Yeah. Like 45 minutes go, drop off the kid. Go back home forty-five minutes, and then like three <laughs> hours later, have <laughs> another forty-five yeah, minutes. With and life. Back, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because you
0: guys work from home, obviously. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. do you like where you're at? Do you like? Do you feel good? Is the business is doing well, and you're happy?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's been hard along the way, mm-hmm. and I, I have to say, a, f- mm-hmm. a few times I wanted to give up because mm-hmm. it's it's just so much work, and uh, <laughs> it just took like. It took a long time just to get people to get the message but like now we're like it's so much out there in the media that it's so much easier so the past few years have been so much easier yeah but at the beginning i remember like going to trade shows and people asking us is this camping stuff you oh, know it's yeah, like yeah. well yeah it doesn't look like y- camping yeah. stuff but it it's actually for a different purpose it's like for your day to day life so yeah. so like people were not really getting it at the beginning And um, so it took a long time, but I'm glad we didn't give up and we kept pushing and believing that the that plastic was was something to to uh, to kind of be wary of. Yeah, be wary of and and try to to find alternatives for. Like we kind of knew that it was going to become big at some point. Right. Because eleven years ago, like it wasn't, it wasn't on the radar. as bad as it is now. Like And it's you
0: know. one of those things where well I mean is I should say is it one of those things where, you know, people know that they should kind of live that way but they, for their in certain reasons, they don't think they can do it, so they kind of have their backs against the wall when they, like for example, veganism. People at- attack vegans for no reason. They get super defensive. Do you do you meet like do you get some of that at all?
3: Well, we're not we're not extreme, right? So. And 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 we, we try to tell people you know like small steps as we said and and I mean we have a ton of plastics in our house as yeah, yeah. well you know how can you avoid it? It's almost you know? impossible. Yeah. 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 Well, it is impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like talking about vegans, we we we're, we're not vegan, and our our products. I mean, our business is not vegan because there's there's a lot of plastic alternatives that are actually use. Um, some animal parts like animal hair, like wool or right. beeswax or silk or things like that. And, um, so, so we, we, we do get questions from vegan who would like us to convert to non-vegan, uh, to vegan alternatives and for, for, for non-plastic item. But the thing is, it's really hard to find for instance bristle for toothbrush that are not made of pig hair because they're going to be nylon and there's nothing like nylon that Mm -hmm. except pig hair that has that kind of texture that is stiff enough that you can brush your your teeth with and Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's either you go you're vegan and you use the nylon or you 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 know you you make that compromise and understand that we're not being cruel against the pigs. We just collected because it was going to be thrown out anyway. because yeah. It, yeah. the pig was used for its meat. So, right, right, so, right. Yeah, and that's yeah. one that's not mm-hmm. not
2: not for lack of trying for an alternative because it's a mm-hmm. it's a German company that has this is a company that's been making brushes for three generations. They have looked for every and they make brushes brushes of every conceivable sort using all kinds of natural bristles, all natural brushes. Mm-hmm. And they've looked for various different types of plant material that would work as a toothbrush. Just can't find anything that that holds up strong enough because in the mouth you have acids, tons of heavy friction every single day. Uh, it, the, the boar hair mm-hmm. is the only one that's really standing up to that sort of environment
0: i gotta say a pig hair toothbrush sounds pretty delicious to me (laughs) (laughs) depends who you talk to yeah when you're done with it throw that in the skillet and with some eggs or something (laughs) that's too far all right uh do you guys recycle at home Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so you do do, 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 even though it is kind of a Mm -hmm. oh some of it just gets recycled right sure hanging on to that 9% (laughs) Yep.
3: <laughs> but the thing is, there's glass also. There's oh yeah, there's right. metal, and these get recycled hundred mm. percent. So and, and they uh, they don't get downcycled; they get recycled. So yeah. glass, especially, becomes glass again and again right. and again. Right, right, you know, mm-hmm. like the never-ending mm-hmm. cycle. Flyland,
0: just on my nose. <laughs> uh, Chantal, plein Jason here. Thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. You guys were awesome. Are you guys happy? Do you guys want to? Is there anything else you'd like mm. to add? Yeah, well, thanks for having great. us. Of thank course, you. So much. of course. Your thanks for your place is gorgeous. Uh, thank <laughs> you, thank you for um, making mm-hmm. me question everything. And uh, super depressed. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that a good... It's, so much hope <laughs> up there. Things are happening <laughs> around, yeah, around the world. Yeah. It's, Absolutely, it's, it's great. And you guys are part of a good movement. And I do that in jest mm-hmm. and, uh, for humor, <laughs> but no, I do. There mm-hmm. is totally. thanks to people like you. There is hope, and you guys do do shine a light on uh, things that that uh, otherwise people might not just think or use ignorantly, which uh, I mean that's how change starts is with awareness, right? So you're definitely doing your part. Go to lifewithoutplastic.com for more. support these guys, support the movement. Do your part. It all starts with small steps. Guys, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you Jillian. Jillian.
1: and Total watch pleasure. your head. It's such a beautiful waste of time
0: and there it is another one in the books yes that was great thank you to jay sinha and chantal Plamedon. you guys are awesome and adorable and just uh you know good people to ride the river of life with they're actually in the they're in the we're all in a river and they're they've got the lifeboats and they're like get 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 in we can survive this thing Thank you for listening, always. Remember to follow on Instagram and Twitter at JD comedy Hour. Like the Facebook page, dot com slash JDComedyHour. Thank you so much. Wakefield Sessions continues with Bonus Week 5 and 6 next week. And uh, thank you so much. You're the best. You do you. And as always, watch... Oh, hold on, hold on. Actually, October 12th. Uh, ibu, Jen Grant, Julian Dion, Don Kelly, Wendy Reed, A Night of Live Stand-Up Comedy. That's a Thursday. All right, so come on out. Thank you so much and watch your head.
1: But the following is over